0: Welcome to Bound for Justice, your weekly podcast that explores race, reconciliation and social justice one book at a time. Join us for a candid discussion about taking steps to create change in our lives and the communities we live in. And now your hosts, Rachel Rosman and Charlotte Wilson.
1: Well, welcome back, ladies. How's everybody doing?
0: Great. Thanks. How are you?
1: Doing pretty good. Doing all right. Feels like it's been a while since we have come together. Yes.
2: I feel like this uh, is good for a song. Come together. Yes.
1: Right now. Mary you know, singing for you again. <laughs> Jingle of the week.
0: <laughs> well, she always does that when we transition in between parts of the show, too.
1: <laughs> so. So, so it's been a while since we've uh, seen each other. What's going on with everybody? Anything new? Fun activities? Exciting moments in life? I have some fun adulting news.
2: We got a new roof on our house, which is, you know, kind of exciting. Yes. You know? Home improvements are important. I never knew that I would drive up to my house and be like, Oh, my roof is so pretty.
1: Congratulations. <laughs> but you know,
2: <laughs> it's it's a good investment. So that's that's kind of our big news. It can
1: also be stressful when you see that big cash outlay too. Yes, yes,
2: yes. But in the long run, it pays off.
0: Yes. I agree. How about you, Rachel? Anything? Speaking of pays off, I paid for my car repairs the other day. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I'm really excited. More adulting. Congratulations. <laughs> but the car is still at the place because when I drove to pay off, this, I was just one person and I already had a car that I was driving. So I was like, I'll be back later. And it was like <laughs> a week ago. So I'm really excited about that. That's good. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be exciting.
1: Those moments, again, help to reduce stress paying for things. It's right. Good.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I um, had the opportunity to take a trip for work, which was kind of fun. I went by myself, which it can also be nice sometimes. <laughs> um, I went to Nashville, Tennessee, which I, I've never been to Nashville to stay at least, um, which I really didn't know what to expect. I was in sort of the downtown area and I had no idea. I didn't know that Nashville had this claim to fame of, of or a nickname of Nash Vegas. Did you guys know this? Did not know that. I didn't Apparently, know. it's one of the most popular places for people who are doing their bachelorette parties. Uh-huh. And I experienced I did know that a lot firsthand. Of people that have done that? Uh, okay. Crazy. Didn't know. So anyhow, needless to say, I didn't participate in all that wackiness. Um, but when <laughs> you were lo- adulting, I was adulting. Um, but one really cool thing that I did um, was there is. A restaurant that my cousin, who lived in Nashville, in the Nashville area for a while, when she went to school, recommended that I go to a restaurant called Bonnell's, and it's family-style dining, and it just so happens that they have what they call, like, a midnight cowboy breakfast from midnight to 3 a.m. on Saturday mornings. So I got her Saturday morning, Sunday Sunday mornings, um, Saturday night, Sunday mornings. You okay. know what I mean? I don't even mean. Have- so I got into Nashville. I was dead tired. I fell asleep. Six hours later, it's midnight and I wake up and I hadn't eaten dinner. So I'm like, hey, this sounds like a great time for the midnight cowboy breakfast. So I went on to my nails at about one o'clock in the morning and had me some breakfast. With a lot of drunk people. That sounds like (laughs) a dream, like a family style breakfast for one. Be like, well, it was really all out here to me now. Well, you sit, you sit at a table. It's family style dining, so you sit at a table with other people. Oh no,
0: I want to sit at a full size table by myself with all the food.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it was really interesting though because the dynamics at the table. So there was one Caucasian guy who who was a Nashville native and had lived there all his life. He's
0: a pro at the family-style dining place. Yes, there were
1: three, and he was very drunk. Um, There (laughs) were three of us there who were from out of town and very clearly from out of town. I mean, it was so obvious. And then there were three other people who were Nashville natives as well who were black. And so it was interesting to sit sort of, I mean, literally, it felt like I was sitting between two worlds because you (laughs) kicked in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it was just really interesting to see, you know, the dynamic. Like there was one woman who was from D.C. and she's like, so I hear you should go to, you know, head bees and all the nashville native people are looking at her like no that is not the place to go that is such a tourist trap so it was just interesting to sort of see that dynamic and witness it and feel uncomfortable all in the moment while eating delicious food <laughs> so anyhow the well big your adult <coughs> situation sounds way funner than getting a new roof <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> new roofs are nice so the book that we're talking about this week is the blood of Emmett till and this book was written by timothy b tyson and Rachel, I believe um, you said that this was uh, can, it received a number of book awards, and it was pu- pu- when it was published
0: back in 2017. Yes, January 31st, 2017. So he got it on his 2017 taxes, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and I remember hearing about it when it first came out. I don't know if you guys had heard uh-huh. about it beforehand. No. no. Uh-uh. Um, I sometimes stories like this I kind of have like a weird obsession like do you ever pick a story where it's like kind of morbid but you just kind of like it's just That's interesting just you, yeah
2: yeah <laughs> like, sorry. You know, kind of like the you know the crime shows you're just uh, like oh man that serial killer really is interesting or yeah or like, <laughs> really like, like the
0: story is just it's just I don't know I guess it kind of always um, took me I like it you're just like you don't know how this can happen mm, I guess Interesting. and now as I'm older I kind of put it into perspective. I'm a little bit older. I'm reflecting on a little bit differently. But um, I had always just kind of wondered what happened or why this would have gone on. And then it came out that this guy had interviewed um, Carolyn Bryant, who was the lady who was kind of at the center of the whole scandal. And she had said she would kind of confessed that she'd made some stuff up in Mm -hmm. the story. And so that was the big part of the book and the big draw to the book. And actually in the book, it wasn't a very big part, I didn't think. Mm. Like they just kind of brought it up and you know like chapter one they discussed it and then kind of yeah moved she on. lied yeah exactly and, and here we go but honestly i feel like in even in trials now don't you feel like when they say oh this person lied you're like oh right well, yeah they're really? human yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so um, can i can i make a confession about this book yes sure I have to admit, I did not want to read this book. Really? I didn't. I didn't want to read it. I really avoided it. And for me personally, like when I looked and I thought about it, I'm like the blood of Emmett Till. I was very familiar with the story. I knew about it. And the idea of reading an entire book about the horrible thing that happened to this little boy, for whatever reason, I mean, for crying out loud, that's like the premise of our entire podcast is, you know, things that happen that are terrible um, and what we can do to change it. But for whatever reason, I just really struggled with this. So needless to say, I'm very happy that this was a book that we chose to read um, because it is an excellent book and I learned a ton from it. So I have a different feeling about it. But going in, I just sort of had this idea in my head about the, the Till story and sort of how I f- think the emotion I had attached to it. And um, I guess I just bring that up in case there's anybody else who might be kind of feeling the same way about the story um, and might choose to avoid a book like this. I, there's a lot of really good stuff in here um, that it's definitely worth digging into.
0: And I think I went into it thinking, like, this is going to be really heavy. But I felt like there was, like, if you can write an entire book about it, then there must be more to the story than I know. Right. And so I kind of wanted to. I'd been to his um, grave site. Like, I'd kind of. <clears throat> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't in, know that.
2: Yeah, I did. Uh, oh, when you were in Chicago. Yeah, when yeah, yeah. Chicago. Chicago. I
0: remember you mentioning that now. Um, and it's kind of, in my head, like, this is a big story. Mm-hmm. Like, story. And so I expected it to be kind of. Like not a tourist attraction, but like mm. something that would be notable. Mm-hmm. And you really, if you go to the cemetery at the very entrance, is his mother's, um, his mother and his uh, who would have ended up, ended up being his stepfather's. Uh, mm-hmm. um, where they're buried, tomb. It's above ground though, mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's very like marble, like a mausoleum, and beautiful, or and, kind of yeah, yeah. Like crypt. Um, but you have to look on a little map to even see where his tombstone is. I mean, it's just completely flat, like everybody else's. Um, Undescript. Yeah, like there were just a couple pennies laying on it where people had shown that they stopped by. That's cool. So it was kind of um, wild to me where I was like, there are flowers everywhere. You were expecting Mm -hmm. it to be
2: much more of a presentation than it was. Yeah, or like I
0: expected there to be people. Like, I don't know. I guess I expected it to be more common for people to go there and kind of pay their respects but it, it wasn't
1: well i remember when we first started reading the book we were texting back and forth a little bit and i can't remember exactly who said it but somebody mentioned that they knew people who really weren't familiar with the story
2: yes yeah uh, there i think i mentioned emmett till long before we even started reading this book to i think it might have been a co-worker or something and they had no idea who emmett till was i think um I think there was some, maybe some family members that, that hmm. didn't know about the story either. They had never heard of Emmett Till. So to me, I think, like you said, everybody knows about Emmett Till, right? I mean, I grew up watching the Eyes on the Prize series from right. PBS. My yeah. you know, mom had us watch those so we could learn. And that that was the very first story in Eyes on the Prize. So I've known hmm. about that since I was a young kid. Yeah. So not or hearing that other people had not heard about it was kind of shocking to me.
0: Well, I have a, a friend of mine who sent me a, a um, it was really, it was a foul rap song. And he's like, you're going <laughs> to think this is hilarious. Just listen to the words of this. And uh, so I was listening to it and it, it was funny. But then at one part, it mentions Emmett Till. And I said, you know, I was kind of going along with the song. It was okay. And then the Emmett Till thing kind of turned my stomach a little bit. Mm. And he said, what do you what do you mean what's with Emmett Till who's Emmett Till and I was and he's older than me and I was like who's Emmett Till how do you not know this and mm-hmm. and uh so he looked it up and then texted me back and was like oh man I didn't even know this story mm-hmm. but I read where Emmett Till is mentioned a lot in like rap songs and in pop culture and it's they said it's almost like a um like an underground term like mm-hmm. like not everybody knows about Emmett Till so it's sort of like a secret when they mention it in songs only certain people get that um connection Interesting. which I thought was kind of yeah yeah. Hmm. I know,
1: but. So I don't know if one of you, for for our listeners who might not be familiar with the Emmett Till story, maybe in thirty seconds or less, does somebody want to kind of give a synopsis of why Emmett Till is a prominent figure from history? I feel like a teacher when I said that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, I'll uh, I'll uh, fill you all in. If for those of you that don't know, um, but basically Emmett Till. Um, at the time of his death, he was a 14-year-old boy from Chicago, and he was visiting family in Mississippi for the summer. And he, along with some of his cousins, went into a local country store, and he had some kind of verbal altercation with the the clerk, um, Carolyn Bryant, who was working there. Um, the, the exchange clearly was not a positive one. Um, Carolyn then went and reported the incident to her husband, who then... Um, he, the husband and his half-brother, they both uh, visited the house where Emmett Till was staying with his family. They kidnapped him, and eventually they uh, murdered him hmm. because of the negative altercation that Emmett had with the white store clerk. Mm-hmm. So in in essence, um, that's what happened. There's a few more details, you know, in the book, obviously, but that's the basis of what happened.
0: And I I think that the other part was... I'm going to add this part of his sure. mom. His mom had the open casket because she wanted people to see what had happened to her son. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big turning point because um, like everybody it was always kind of hearsay like, well, you know, this person was lynched or this person was killed or we don't really know what happened to this person. But then she had had people come by and see like how brutally he was beaten mm-hmm. and murdered. Mm-hmm. And it was a big I mean, it, that's I can't imagine as a mother mm-hmm. being able to go through with all, all of that. And actually, we'll get to it later, I yeah, guess. But yeah. I bring up kind of. How she's uh, another another strong black female, mm-hmm. like all the yeah. basis of all of our stories that we <laughs> read.
1: Yep. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that stuck out to me. And th- Rachel, I think you mentioned it in some of the notes that you prepared for our um, for the podcast today. Uh, some of the details behind, you know, the event occurred in the South. Um, it occurred with this young man who was from Chicago and um, after following his death, sort of the the whole um, the drama, and sort of the circus around the preparation of his body and where it was going to be buried, and there there was a lot of detail around that that I had no
0: idea about. Me too. Right. Yeah. It it kind of reminded me. I went to a film festival in Chicago, and this couple came in. Their son had been um, shot outside of church and killed, and they were kind of doing a they had a kind of a, their gun. Um, control activists and so the father had said you know when he got shot when we first heard that he had been killed i went home and got all of his honor roll certificates because i wanted to be able to prove to people that he didn't deserve it Mm. and that he like he didn't he didn't have this coming he wasn't in a gang he was a good kid Mm -hmm. and that was like the first thing i thought that wouldn't have even been in my mind and so then i thought certain like i is that a thing with certain like with parents sometimes if you know that your kid is going to be picked up as being like or picked out as being I like a bad imagine. kid, like parents start to think about that because she almost had things lined up like, okay, this happened. Now what do I do next? Or like, yeah. I mean, almost immediately, like she had a game plan. Well, and I thought that was wild.
1: I don't know. I, th- I guess the one thing that I thought about is that she she did have a lot of um, people around her who were who were counseling her on some of the decisions. Ultimately, she had to make the decisions, right? But, um, you know, some of the details we read about in the book are – um, that the, the fact that they they were preparing to bury him in the South, they had no intention yes. of sending him
0: mm-hmm. back to Chicago. They had no intention of even like making a, a deal, like <clears> oh, you know. It we happened. don't even Let's, know if this is your son. We buried it. It's over. Like, right. Yeah, they we're going to brush this under the or sweep this under the rug. They put
2: a seal on the casket and was like, they were ordered you're not to open right. the casket. And she was like, uh, yeah, I am. Right. So she, it's, for her to have the fortitude to do that mm-hmm. is amazing. But like you said, Charlotte, she had a lot of good support around her that helped guide her and give her the strength to
1: make those decisions. Right. And she knew that that there was there was something more there. There was. There was something the more that could come from his death. Yeah, she and saw the bigger picture. Be, yeah,
0: yeah. I think yeah. I, I mean, there's people go different ways with their rage and their grieving, and um, and I don't know that I would be that strong. I always say if something like I always think if something horrible would happen to me, I'd just sort of just you know, curl up and right. That would be normal. Right. And yeah. and she more had like a mission now, and and I think you see that. I mean, Trayvon Martin's mom, mm-hmm. um, she really took it and made a mission out of out of his death as well. And so mm-hmm. I think there are just certain people who have different um, ways that they react to, or how the ways they get through grieving. Mm-hmm. And his mom was one of them.
1: Yeah, that was very striking to me. And um, as graphic as it was, some of the description of the condition that he was in. Yes. Yeah. It was it was brutal and gruesome.
0: And I, I handled that better than when they went through the, kind of like the play-by-play at mm-hmm. the end, when they were mm-hmm. like, and then this was supposed to happen, and this. And I was just like, oh, oh, I don't. I don't think I was ready. I wasn't ready for that. I guess. Yeah.
2: Have either of you seen the photos from his funeral? I
0: mm-hmm. looked
2: them up. Yeah.
0: And I looked up the trial pictures as well because I wanted to see hmm. what they had for like the when they talk about Moses right? Mm-hmm. standing up and pointing and mm. um and, and did you see those pictures? Yeah. You oh, can
1: you'll have there. to. Okay, we'll have
2: to add those to the show yes. notes because
1: I haven't seen those. That would be neat.
2: Well, it's interesting because I saw the eyes and the prize. Um, uh, series that did talk about this story of Emmett Till and they did show his body in the casket. And I remember seeing that when I was rather young. But then in the book when they described all of his injuries, like I, I saw the pictures of him, but his, the, the description of his injuries in the book kind of struck me much more than the visual that I saw in the documentary. So Mm. I don't know if it was just like the quality of the video or anything, because that was a long time ago, but I had no idea that his injuries that he he sustained were so extreme. You know, Mm -hmm. they were much more
0: than what I realized. Well, and I think they mentioned in the book too, that one part where the, Undertaker was like okay well I'll see what I can fix up and Emmett's Till's mom was like no don't fix him. Right. I want everybody to see what, exactly what happened and then he kind of still was like eh, Gotta get that high yeah, back in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. He, he did a little bit because he kind of felt like it was his job but then they had like they had the glass over it because yes. and I didn't know I was telling somebody about that today Um, I mean there was I guess there's so much that you don't realize when you hear these stories and, right.
2: Um, You know, the thing that always strikes me is that Chicago is at the center of so much stuff. mm -hmm. I mean, Emmett Till is from Chicago and a lot of uh, these events, you know, with his mom advocating and the funeral took place in Chicago. I just there's so many things that come back to Chicago. It's It's, just so central to so many things. It's almost like we wish we knew somebody from Chicago
0: that we could talk to (laughs) about how it was growing up.
2: We'll have to work on that, won't we? (laughs) Hint, hint.
0: Um. And I also kind of bring up, I guess we'll sort of, you know, break I'll break in not in a smooth way to our conversation, <laughs> but the how recent it was. Like when I imagined this when I pictured in my head, I expected it to be like like this was so long ago, and you know, this this wasn't recent. Stuff like this doesn't happen now. Whereas um there's a part of the book that talks about John Lewis, representative yeah. um how he was affected. He said it really it struck him to his core, shook him to his core when mm-hmm. he heard about this. And so I looked up their ages and John Lewis is actually older than what Emmett Till would have been. He's like a year and a half oh, older wow. than oh, Emmett wow. Till. I love John Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah,
1: that, that kind of does give you context for it, the time it, when this could have right. happened. And Carolyn
0: Bryant, people had said, well, she confessed on her deathbed and she did not. She gave an interview. She's she's alive today. She's completely alive. Um so it's not like this is is so far removed. Um, this is still relevant. A lot of the stuff that I thought when I was reading through the trial, I was like, <clears throat> "Yes, this stuff is still happening." Mm-hmm. I mean, right now we're starting the trial with a police officer who broke into the yes. Yes. black man's house, killed him, and now is c- claiming she did it in self-defense. Yeah, yes. which is crazy. Yeah.
2: For our listeners, did we say who Carolyn Bryant was? I think did we? She's the she's the woman who Emmett Till had the con- the confrontation with yeah, yeah. so right. I if to you make can sure. call it a
0: confrontation or yeah a legend an exchange yes yes an exchange yes yeah. so read the book because we really don't have time to go through all of <laughs> no the i mean there's a lot de- and,
1: and you know you so could look if you want to get sort of the the cliff notes version of the story you yes. absolutely can you know can get that there's there's lots online about it
0: yes. or we're on facebook or you think. G- i'll just message me message yeah. me <laughs> sure. i'll tell you everything i know <laughs> Um, all right. right. Yep. Okay. So the author of the book that wrote it, he also has a another book. Um, uh, I don't think I even wrote it down. But anyhow, <laughs> I'll get to it in a minute. Um, it was about a murder, like a similar murder that had taken place in his to- In his town, that really had an effect on him. So, have you guys ever had a specific story or news event or anything that really stuck with you and made you want to take action or like? Was there some sort of catalyst in your life in general, if it wasn't a news story? Like, how did we end up here, Charlotte? Uh, Living life.
1: (laughs) The news event's been my life. Um, No, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I really have a specific news story or event that was sort of like a catalyst for... Uh, making me want to take action. To me, I think it's just been sort of a a success of piling on of things, injustices that you see, you experience yourself, or you see happening to other people. Um, So for me, it's just really been a a combination of things. Um, One one thing, though, that is interesting about this question, Rachel, is um, you talk about events or news stories. Um, The fact that we are aware of so much, I think, is something that... um, that has had an effect, you know, are the access that we have, um, social media, the fact that we can take our phones out, and we can record and document things in a way that we've never been able to before. And that's one thing that the author brings out in the book that really struck me as as someone who, you know, studied journalism in, in college, and is still very much interested in how we can use our voices to share the stories of those who are underrepresented. That was one of the really important things that stuck out to me from the book is that this was one of the very first instances where the media had a had a role a very right. strong role to play in making people aware of
0: what was happening right the
1: strength I, the strength of the media yes and, yeah I mean this
0: is very much like the trial of the century for, yeah. for them I mean the way they talked about it was like oh and people were like whispering and spreading the news and standing outside the courtroom um it, I yeah I thought that was interesting too and to your phone having your phone out I think it's interesting how people have their phones out and are recording stuff and still aren't being mm-hmm. people still aren't being convicted of crimes that they've Crazy. obviously done. So, like, you consider all the stuff that has people have gotten away with in the past, including, you know, this, mm-hmm. which was, um, I mean, just the craziness of the whole trial and and the outcome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the media, um, Emmett's mother, she went to the media to begin with to get the ball rolling. You know that was her first. Yeah, one she, of the first things that she did was to start calling the media in Chicago to start getting the story out and calling all the the black newspapers, the black media, and that's
0: you know where she began. And it's and it's, thankfully because I think if she probably wouldn't have had that all that kind of new or um attention, mm-hmm. you know, she might might not have gotten the body back from right. Mississippi, or right? She might right, but she seemed to really I thought she kind of knew some movers and shakers at the time to. Networking. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. Uh, I talked about Emmett Till's mom earlier, Mamie Till Mobley, and she was Mamie Bradley in the book. They referred to her as Mrs. Mrs. Bradley. Actually, they said in the trial they referred to her as Mamie because uh, individuals who were black were referred to by their first name, and she responded back, "Sir," to white people, like mm. white people were "Sir" or "Ma'am," mm. which I thought was interesting. And they said in the South that was expected, and then the northern uh, journalists were like. Uh, Emmett Till's mother was disrespected in court so it was just kind of that difference between the north and the south perception of you know respect and how the south doesn't really show it necessarily (laughs) in this book at that time Um, but was there were you surprised to learn so much about her like she insisted on this open casket they weren't even going to bring the casket back she got it back Um, they said the one part they weren't even they weren't supposed to open it and she said you signed that you agreed to that I didn't agree to that I'll get a hammer and open this if I have to on my Mm -hmm. own because Mm -hmm. you know this is my child and um so did you find anything like I learned so much about her I guess I I I guess you knew because you know the story but I didn't realize how much she had done and what did you find the most I guess impressive or what stuck with you the most about Mamie Till Mobley
2: well, I guess one thing that I guess kind of makes sense um just hearing about you know her early life and she had a previous marriage and he uh her um her her first marriage had fallen apart and she, you know, threw him out and so she was one that was not going to take anything from anybody. You know, she she stood up for herself, you know, even early on in her life when Emmett was very young. And so I guess seeing how she stood up for herself then, I guess it kind of makes sense that she stood up for Emmett the way that she did. But still at that time um, in history, that was a really gutsy, bold thing Mm -hmm. to do. I mean, even now, you know, I don't know if I would be able to do that today. And, you know, if I would have the oomph to do that. So,
0: Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, I guess I mean because it's recent, but the Trevor Noah book when his mom was this very strong, like yeah. they had mm-hmm. that really solid family unit with her mom, and um, so I think Emmett Till had that thing also, like his grandmother, his mom, yes. everybody was very close. Very they was very strong um, family, and mm-hmm. um, they're very close. guess I, I repeated that sorry. Um, Charlotte, anything? From you?
1: No, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I think <laughs> You're like, that's how we are. Yeah, that's, that's- how it is. Um, but no, I mean, this is this is what we've seen consistently. Right. I mean, this is a consistent pattern when you see important things happening it's generally because there's a really strong person who's standing behind it, and making sure it happens and isn't going to shut up regardless of who tells them to. Um, and we've seen in many instances where that's been um, a strong black, often a black woman who's who's who has learned that this is how you get along in life and they're not going to they're not going to back down. So and especially when it comes to your kids, you know, yeah. nobody going to get between somebody's kid yeah. and their mama.
2: Mama bear comes out for sure.
0: Right. Um, the trial was a mess. Like when you were reading it or listening to it or when I was reading, I was I almost want to take notes like, wait, this is happening now. Now this is going to happen next. Um, I even I took notes because I was going back and forth. They started out with um, J.W. Milam and Roy Bryant didn't even have any interaction with Emmett Till. They didn't even know who he was. They weren't sure what this what was going on. Well, then during the trial, they kind of both confessed to kidnapping him, mm-hmm. but they said they kidnapped him and then they took him back to Carolyn Bryant, and she said it wasn't the right kid. Which part like that does seem to be some of the story that maybe because it mentions the book she sort of saw where this was going and had regrets about how it all was turning out like so she's like no i don't think that's the kid um so that could be true that she said that so then they said they just released him they don't know what happened to him after that um then it ended up that they weren't even sure like the trial took a turn where they weren't even sure that that was his body that they found like They were trying to say maybe like nobody could identify it. It could have been white. It could have been black. There was a conspiracy that maybe the
1: NCAA or NAACP
0: NCAA. NCAA. <laughs> they're into all kinds of trouble now, too. And
1: the NAACP, <laughs> maybe they sort of planted the body and created the
0: story. Yes. And yeah. Emmett Till was back in Chicago living his right, life. And right, all. right, right. Um, and then he had a ring from his father, which is how they mm-hmm. identified him, and they took the ring from somebody from him and And then put it on this other body. And um, so they were trying to play it up that the death never even happened. And then it kind of took a turn that, well, yeah, we killed him, but he he deserved it because of all this stuff. Like it was almost, a, you know, we saved. He almost raped my wife. Yes. yeah. Yeah. And it took so many turns. And it's almost like you're watching or not watching. You're reading it and you're thinking, how did this even how did they get away with this? Um, and still they did. Like, it didn't take very long. Jury came back, not guilty. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was reading, I was like, oh, this is crazy. But again, this stuff is still happening. So do you feel like we've made progress? I mean, I feel like now we have more evidence against people and they're still getting off with um, crimes. I mean, we've made some progress, I maybe, But what do you feel like is going to be... <laughs>
1: No, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think you see people getting lynched in the South anymore. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. Um, I mean, if <laughs> there's, that's our bar. No, the I mean, bar and, is set so no, low. But I, well, I think <laughs> the author did a good job of making sure that we don't forget. There are, I, and I think back to my whole point about not wanting to read the book because it felt like, oh, my gosh, like, we know what happened. Like, I don't want to think about it anymore. Um, but at the same time, I think what the author reminds us of is this terrible thing happened. There was injustice. But out of that injustice a lot of other action happened and occurred. And so it, it, it despite the horror of it, good. I want to say good things did come of it. It ins, it incited people to action. Um, but at the same time, he, the author is reminding us, don't forget these things can and do still happen. They might look like slightly different, right? Um, but we can't forget that these things are still happening.
2: You know, it's uh, when I was reading it, the thing that stuck out to me was, you know, All the young black men that are killed today are can be referred to as modern day lynchings. You know, Mm -hmm. people feel that they have the right to, you know, black men get treated differently when they get stopped by, you know, police officers and nothing against the police. But it happens. And it's it's that that whole vein of, you know, when they went to get Emmett Till, they had the right to go and take him. His family mm-hmm. relinquished him to um, the husband and the brother-in-law. And Maybe they I think twice about it. Yeah, they had yeah. the right. Well, they, tried they just to like went, pay him off
0: or something. And he's like, I'm not taking your money. I yeah. Went, yeah. So th- just the was,
2: fact that they had, that was their, their resolve, that they had the right to go and just take this child. It, it, it's kind of similar to, well, I have the right to stop you or to do what I want to you because you're being suspicious. I have the right to do that. So that correlation really stuck out to me that... you know what we would consider modern day lynchings it's it's still happening today and it's that idea that i have the right to do this Mm. i have the authority to do this i have justification for my actions and
1: it's they're wrong Mm -hmm. any other parting words or thoughts about the book in general i know sometimes we talk about who is this book for
0: um oh my gosh so for being- I me, mean, it's it's a heavy book, so I don't know that it's necessarily I don't know that it's for everybody. I think it has a lot of good information. Um, And I but I think that it's I like there's one part where they kind of focus on Emmett, who Emmett Till was as a kid and a person. He wasn't just this victim like uh-huh. he was a little boy. He was a middle schooler. I mean, if you yeah, think about it, in the that's crazy. Time, right. Um, And so I like that. I like the part where they kind of set the tone of the South and and even the North, like people were blaming him on being from from Chicago. He doesn't know how to act in the South. And his mom was like, I love the part. Um, His mom said, how do you raise a child or how do you explain hate to a child who's only known love? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was sweet. Mm-hmm. But so she had like, they're saying it wasn't, I mean, Chicago was really an integral part of every story we've read so far. I yes, think. yeah. And um, she explains like how he, how he'd been, under these same situations in Chicago, just in a different manner. And so I think there were different parts of the book that I really enjoyed. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Who who would you recommend it to Charlotte? I think it's
1: great for somebody who loves history and really wants to understand. I think the author did a really great job of telling a good story, um, turning Emmett Till into from a one dimensional news story into like you said, Rachel, the little middle school aged boy that he was and all the family and people surrounded around him. And the author does a really good job of providing context for what was happening in the South um, during this time frame, And so that helps us really understand sort of the, the environment in which this um, horrific act occurred. And so I think it's really good for somebody who really likes history. Taking action. All right. So um, in the vein of um, sort of capitalizing on that, that uh, theme of history, um, one of the things that I want to talk about in terms of taking action is um, encouraging um our listeners and you ladies as well to take action and dig into your own family history. So, you know, through the Emmett Till book, we learned a lot about, again, the history of the South, the environment that was going on during that timeframe. We learned a lot about Emmett Till and Emmett Till's family and all the other surrounding supporting castic characters that really, um, turned the tragedy of Emmett Till into a movement and, and helped use it to catalyze um, the civil rights movement. Something that has been um, kind of a focus of mine over the last, I would say, two weeks or so is sort of digging into my own family history. And I have been doing that through Ancestry.com. Got my 14-day free trial. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, when it, but the reason why I'm bringing that up, um, especially for those of us who um do have who who are African-American. And, you know, I guess, you know, we knew a little bit about at least on my my dad's side of the family, we knew a little bit about some of our our relatives and our ancestors, but there was a lot we didn't know. And for me, you know, for the last 40 plus years of my life, I kind of carried around this idea of, well, hmm, we know what we know. There are no records. It was slavery. I can't find anything out about my family. This is kind of what I have. All I can do is sort of move forward. Um, But what I found was a whole lot more than that. And I think what I gained from, so I learned a lot about my family history. I found records of my great, great grandfather who was born in the 1830s. He was a former slave. Um, And the coolest thing that happened to me today was I had reached out to somebody else who had made a notation on a record about my grandfather, I reached out to that person and asked her, you know, are you a relative? Is is Carrie Wade? That's my great great grandfather. Is he a relative of yours? She wrote me back and told me that she's actually um, an, an an ancestor of former slave owners, and she was doing history of her family, and someone from her family married my great great grandfather. I know, wow, crazy. And she actually even had the names of the plantation owner that my great-grandfather was on. That's crazy. And in that moment, like, it, that was such an emotional moment for me. Like, it was a moment of pride. Um, and, you know, despite the fact, and I, th- I think it's a lot with the, the Emmett Till story, you know, we have a choice to decide how we want to interpret our history. Mm-hmm. You know, you can feel sad and you can feel angry about what's happened in the United States. And I'm not saying that we should be docile and just kind of lay roll over and take it. But at the same time, I don't think it's any, I think there's a, there's a sense of pride in where, where we come from and who we are. And so I just really encourage everybody to kind of, you know, if you haven't dig into your family history, you might find more than you realize. I think there are some amazing stories. And I think it's an opportunity for us again, to connect with our past, to help us understand where we want to go in the future.
2: In the news. Um, So in the news, um, for those of you that have been our faithful followers and listeners, thank you. You may have heard me talk about in the past, um, a um, story about a man named Curtis Flowers, um, also in Mississippi, um, a man who had been tried for the same murder, I think it was six or seven times. um, And when I talked about it, Um, A few episodes back, um, the Supreme Court had just overturned his conviction. And so just this week, um, Curtis was transferred off of death row and was uh, transferred back to a county jail. So he's now closer to his family where he can see his family. Um, The prosecutor is still the same prosecutor on the case, and he will continue to be unless he is recused or hands it over to the attorney general, which that's still just baffles me That's that he's crazy. still <laughs> he, and he's the one that was accused of, of wrongdoing wow. um, for, with the Batson violation but anyway I just think that it's just crazy that it's taken this long months for him to be transferred from death row and is now back in a county jail where his family can actually see him so so what happens next um well i think that they are working on um i was just going through the the twitter page for the um the podcast that's been following this story but i think they are working on getting him a reasonable bail is Mm. what they're what they're trying to get so that he can actually be released altogether if he's not convicted of this crime um if they're not going to try him again they can't really continue to hold him so Mm -hmm. i think that's what they're they're ultimately working on getting him released at least on bail um but the good news is is that since he's no longer on death row he's been moved to a county jail which is you know um, they're moving in the right direction so stay tuned i'm sure there will be more to come uh we'll keep you updated about the story
1: all right thanks for the update so that is our show for this week thanks again ladies for a great conversation um, and, and thank you to our listeners who joined us today. Um, please remember, we always appreciate hearing your feedback. So, um, please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, subscribe on, subscribe, please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe on our social media posts and our accounts. Um, and also, um, we, again, we, we love hearing feedback, so feel free to email us. You can email us at boundforjustice at gmail.com. And if you're really interested, you can leave us a voicemail by calling 614-450-0372. And, um, And next week, we're going to be uh, discussing, and the next book that we're going to be discussing next week is titled Raising White Kids, Bringing Up Children in a Racially Unjust America. Until then, have a great week. You too. Thanks. See ya.
0: Thank you for listening to Bound for Justice. Join us next week for another conversation about creating change in our lives
2: and the communities we live in.